Well, this is it. Once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Samalero, and I'm very excited to have you here this week. And this episode of the Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by Posera. Learn more about how you can build a regional system of care for free at www.posera.com slash EMS. I got to tell you, it's another great week to go inside EMS. And with me always, sitting in the chair to my right is my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you doing? I'm rocking, man. Spring has sprung in Louisiana. Awesome. And I got to tell you, man, I think we have a really great show. Today, we are joined by founder and CEO of Pulsara, and he is going to kind of talk to us about a couple things that, you know, I think we take for granted when it comes to communication, when it comes to documentation. And it's one of those things that I think we're really going to have a good time to talk about. But Doc, first off, I want to thank you for joining us on the Inside EMS podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. I'll be even happier when spring actually arrives to Bozeman as well. And we were just talking before we started to record, uh, probably snow just above your knee, huh? Just above the knee still. So we probably have another couple of months left. So so when is spring scheduled for Bozeman this year, Doc? Is it like April the 18th or go straight (laughs) from spring into into fall again? Yes. no, No, we have a couple of weeks of summer. That's good. I mean, it's ah. a, so you have all four seasons. It just happens in the same month. Yes. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Good to know. So, you know, Doc, I, I think we want to take advantage of your expertise. So one of the things that, you know, we have to do as part of our duty is we have to talk about documentation. And if I ask you the question, it may sound like a weird question, but what's the purpose of documentation? That is a fantastic question. We often get confused, especially as we start using technologies more and more for things like communication. We start getting confused as to what is the role of communication versus documentation. So before I answer that, I'd love to hear from from Kelly, from kind of the perspective of, of the field medic. What is, uh, what is the perception of the job of documentation out in the field? Well, uh, among field providers, I, I would say that probably the primary purpose of documentation is to assure continuity of care. Uh, from my perspective, uh, working on an ambulance, that's what it's all about, is to make sure that the patient gets quality care uh, and nothing is missed in the transition from field and, and my cot to the emergency department bed. And so many of the systems we currently have in place are, are lacking somewhere in that regard. It's not a real integrated, seamless transition of care. Uh, and better documentation, I think, uh, would would facilitate that. Yeah, very cool. So, Chris, how about you from a leadership perspective? What do you feel is the the purpose of documentation? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think from a leadership side, I want to look at this as a historical document as well. I mean, I think Kelly said it really well when he talked about the continuity of care. And when we think about the role that we're trying to do, I mean, are we a, a cog in the wheel when it comes to this patient's care? And I think the answer is yes. So from a historical record of what we did with that patient, I think it's important. Another thing is liability. We have to think about, does this record now become part of some court case three, four, five, six years down the road that now we're going to have to be able to have a story of how we found the patient, how we treated the patient, how we managed the patient, and then how we passed care off as we got to that higher level of care. And then ultimately, Doc, I got to admit to you, I think it's for the purposes of billing as well. You know, we've got to keep the lights on and we need a good record. We need a certified record that we're able to say that this is what we did. This is how we did it. And now we'd like to get some reimbursement for it as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think those are fantastic examples of why we need to focus on documentation, how and where it's important. You know, from my perspective, I, I totally agree. Continuity of care is one of the key things. Uh, but this is where the confusion often happens between documentation and communication is, well, when is that documentation actually ready? It, it takes so many clicks to get it into the EPCR or the EHR that it's often not ready when the downstream providers are needing it and wanting to consume it. Uh, the other thing is, well, who actually has access to it and, and gets it, especially if you're talking about a patient that can cross through multiple different healthcare entities like EMS agencies and hospitals, et cetera. So definitely billing. Um, yes, you have to do that. Medical, legal, downstream providers. But a lot of this is taking care of that patient or reimbursement or medical legal way on down the line, uh, not in the here and now. Uh, the other key thing is is data. Uh, so aggregated data, I think we have a huge responsibility to focus on gathering more and more data and using that data to improve care for future patients. But again, it's not real focused on real time. So whether you're CQI uh, focused on uh, providing better care down the line, or uh, you're trying to help take care of this patient or ramifications of dealing with this patient on down the line. It really doesn't help us often in the here and now. No, it, it, and in our system, uh, our EPCRs are, are uploaded to the cloud and, and we give our, our receiving hospitals a, uh, um, a number to access that EPCR, but company policy says we have to get them done within 24 hours. So it's a, it's sure. and as busy as we are, it's a rare thing indeed where you actually have a PCR with a narrative and all the attachments there too, uh, ready to go when you drop the patient off. Uh, so real time documentation, uh, is, is so far, uh, an unreached goal. Right, right. So we've talked about documentation and we, we understand that there's a gap uh, where, where real-time documentation uh, uh, has not occurred in the past. But what about communication? How many times have you seen care breakdown because of lack of communication or lack of some uh, viable means of communication between the different facets of healthcare, uh, EMS and emergency department and the med surge floor and the ICU and so on and so forth? And I just want to, I just want to piggyback on that as well. And I think even more simply, Doc, what's the purpose of communication? Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. The the difference between communication and documentation, I think, is critical to point out. And a lot of times, as we were focusing on uh, the documentation aspect of things, it's often for dealing with the patient in the future or aggregated data in the future, whereas. Communication is for the here and now. It is yeah. real time. Uh, and so we've got to figure out how to unite people and unite team members uh, to provide care right now. So uh, when you start focusing on communication and try to, to drive what, what is the purpose of communication, specifically when it comes to EMS communications, I think it's really important for us to tease out. Uh, is it just for a translating and transmitting a HEAR report or a bedside report. You know, those are some things that I think are really important for us to focus on and tease out. Uh, because if you're really focused on team communication, uh, I've, I personally believe that EMS, that medics have incredibly important and valuable information that multiple care team members downstream might need. 
uh, same thing. Uh, we might have learned something downstream, like further on in the emergency department or up in the cath lab in the ICU, that it would be very valuable to feed that information back to EMS in real time. So I think there's a key difference between communicating in real time and documenting uh, for a future purpose. Chris, as a field provider, in your experience, how many times have you had communication break down between the emergency department and, and, and EMS crews. I'm talking, you've, you've had to give your handoff report multiple times as, as new team members file into the trauma room, or uh, you called with a pre-arrival notification and whoever answered the phone uh, never passed it on to, to the people who are going to be taking care of the patients. How many times has that happened to you in your career? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't have an advocate to sit right here and figure that out for you. But <laughs> yeah. I think that one of the things as well is when we talk about, you know, we're relying on this on this radio system. And when we think about that interoperability of not even, you know, sometimes just even communicating with other people on the scene, you know, it, it, you would think that after all this time that there was going to be, some real improvements in this area. And I, I'll yeah. just tell a quick story. Uh, during the Ferguson event, you, you know, they were my ambulances that were right in the middle of that event. And it would have been good to be able to have one easy way that we were able to communicate now with members of the, you know, the other law enforcement agencies and, you know, the federal government was there and the state police was there. And so it's not just the breakdown of communication from an EMS agency to the hospital but it really is the breakdown with peers as well. Doc, I think you said, you know, real-time communication. It just doesn't go into the hospitals. Absolutely. Yeah, and we can even give a very tangible case, like picture a stroke case. So a traditional communication workflow from a rural stroke case. So EMS will basically pick up a radio or a phone and call report into a hospital uh, to typically someone who's never going to take care of the patient uh, and then they show up, they repeat that here report or the bedside report again. Uh, then they often have to write down a short form for key information. Uh, but then a lot of times, like say the emergency physician was not there, so they didn't get that information. So all of that work is lost. It's gone. And it may contain critical information like what was the patient's baseline? Uh, where is the family member? Here's the actual phone number for the family member so we can talk to them about TPA, et cetera. Uh, so picture this case continuing on, uh, and then we figure out that we can give this patient TPA, but we also think they have a large vessel occlusion stroke. So now we have to call a transfer center, again, who's never going to take care of the patient, go through finding a, a critical care specialist that can do intervention uh, for this large vessel occlusion stroke, have a conversation, then involve another EMS agency, on and on and on this goes. But And you can see all of the different technologies that we use trying to link together a, a care team to try to take care of this patient. Most of this information is just said verbally and lost forever. Yeah. And I think with that, I mean, this, it sounds like a simple question, but as I think about it now, it's probably very complex. But in your opinion, what's the role or, or even the responsibility of EMS communication? This is a great question. I think one of the most important things for us to realize, number one, is that communication uh, is really part of patient care. It's not just something we do on the side. I've, I've even heard EMS say, well, I'm not going to do anything that affects patient care 
adversely, right? I don't want to spend time doing this. And sometimes they lump communication into that. So I think first and foremost is to realize and recognize that good communication is a critical part of patient care. I think the second key thing for us to realize in the pre-hospital space is that we are a part of the healthcare team. Uh, instead of just transport or just delivering a patient, moving a patient from one location to another and providing care during that, that encounter, we really are fully a part of the healthcare team. And so I think we need to go in open-minded, um, think about the way we've been doing communication, uh, and really, if we're going to consider ourselves as part of the healthcare team, if we're going to start uh, uh, providing care and not transporting, uh, having to bring in medical control, if we may be transporting to non-traditional uh, non uh, receiving centers, all the different things that are coming our direction, uh, we need to be able to figure out how can we dynamically build a team and communicate with a broader healthcare team. You know, and, and so many times in my career, I've, I've played the if only game uh, in regards to communication. If only the uh, emergency department physician had seen the wreck, uh, they they listened to this my report a little more closely. Uh, if only they had seen the home and the environment we picked our patients up in uh, and, and you struggled to communicate the gravity of what it was you saw before you started care. If only someone uh, if they had seen what the patient looked like before I gave that aspirin and and a few squirts of nitro and some pain relief, uh, that the, those subtle changes on that EKG would, would uh, bear a lot more weight. Um, but the problem has always been, to my mind, is that we have so many varied forms of communication uh, that it, it, there's nothing seamless about it. We've got paper, we've got electronics, we've got uh, verbal communication between different staff, and it's often like playing a game of telephone where what, what eventually trickles down to the to the uh, the patient care team in the hospital uh, rarely resembles what the the pre arrival notification or the handoff report actually was. So, Doc, why do you think it is that we struggle with team communication and 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 uh, interoperability and, and communication between the different facets of healthcare? Yeah, fantastic question. I think that there's several key things. One is obviously the tradition that that we have. Uh, basically been working under for multiple years. We've kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, another key thing uh, you actually called out was the tools that we use. If you look at the limitations of the tools, a radio, a phone, a pager, a fax, the verbal report, uh, we, we leave out things like video, uh, other multimedia opportunities. We also leave out one of the most powerful tools uh, that we should be leveraging on a daily basis, and that's mobile technology. Uh, imagine the power of a smartphone. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, supercomputers couldn't do what these things can do. It's got geolocation. It's got audio, video, cameras, all kinds of amazing tools in it. And even more importantly, is we can leverage those tools in such a way uh, that we can standardize the, the process for an entire region. So if you're looking specifically at communication, the communication tools we currently use have no hope of interoperability. However, mobile technology has limitless opportunity for interoperability. I think the last and final thing that we have to kind of focus on uh, when we're trying to define why do we struggle with team communication, I think it's because of how we 
address communication problems in healthcare, we often either solve it within our own silo, meaning EMS will have their solution and every hospital will have their individual solution, or we only focus on bridging uh, two silos. The pre-hospital space would be a good example. Uh, and so how do you get all hospitals and all EMS agencies together on the same page? Well, it's a radio or it's a phone call. That's the way we've traditionally done it. And we've only solved bridging those two silos instead of taking a step back and saying, what if, what could we do if we could unite every single acute care clinician uh, in an entire region to help surround a patient, uh, build a care team, surround that patient and uh, deliver better care. So I think those are some of the key reasons why we struggle with, with team communication. It's tradition, it's the tools, uh, and it's the way we try to solve communication problems in, in silos and not taking a broader approach. So, Doc, I'd like to touch on one thing you you uh, pointed out, and, and that's the use of mobile technology. And administratively, we it seems like we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to get our cues, crews to stop using mobile technology uh, because they, they tend to make mistakes with it and shoot themselves in the foot with their social media posts or or sharing something that and violating uh, HIPAA privacy rules and that sort of thing. And uh, you're talking about something that we've, we've got a device in our hand that can allow us to reach the sum total of human knowledge, yet we use it to argue with each other and, and look at cat videos. Uh, so what what are we going to use uh, mobile technology for? What are, what are these mobile devices going to do for us in team communication? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things that, that, you're, uh, that you're asking and addressing is there's a great concern on mobile technology specifically. Like, yeah. is mobile technology HIPAA compliant? Is it safe? Is it secure? Uh, a lot of times we struggle with this question. We, we literally have been vetted hundreds and hundreds of times and have dealt with this question multiple times. Uh, and I think the best way to think about uh, the way that we can leverage mobile technology now uh, versus the way that when it first rolled out. When it first rolled out, people would store a bunch of information on the, on the mobile device. For example, if you take a picture with your, your smartphone, where does that picture go? Well, it goes into the camera roll, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that puts the patient uh, privacy at risk. Well, the way that all mobile technology companies uh, deal with this now is nothing is permanently stored on the device. So not only is everything encrypted, totally safe, totally secure, but typically nothing is stored on the device. Uh, at least with good good software development companies, that's the way they do it. Uh, and so picture your phone more as like a TV screen where information goes in and out uh, but it's not stored on the device. So if we pretend like mobile tech or our medics are not using mobile technology, I think we're naive. Uh, we do know that our our clinicians are out there leveraging uh, their smartphone to text and take pictures and things like that in unapproved ways. If you used approved solutions, uh, it's actually much more secure uh, and and protecting the, the PHI than any other uh, opportunity that's out there that, that we're actually just doing because we feel like it's the right thing for a patient in leveraging mobile technology in an unimproved way. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think that answers a lot of questions and it really kind of gives you the feel from a leadership side that, you know, maybe these smartphones can be used uh, for good rather than adversity. But, you know, so you are the CEO and founder of Pulsera. So we know that you have a communication solution with Pulsera. Could you tell us more about Pulsera and how you see 
communications and healthcare evolving? Pulsera is a patient-centric communication tool, really for entire regions. It's not just an EMS tool. We believe that EMS is a critical part of the healthcare team. Therefore, we need a communication solution for entire regions that truly makes EMS a part of the healthcare team. So to look at Pulsera and understand what we are, uh, basically it's mobile technology based. So any Apple or Android device, whether it's a smartphone or a tablet, we also have some browser based functionality, but basically you access it just like you would an app. Uh, and what you can do with that is anyone can start a case, build a team, a care team to surround that patient and then that entire care team has access to each other to communicate. So that means live audio, live video, using multimedia, kind of what Kelly was referring to earlier, all of those communication opportunities we can leverage in real time. So that stroke example that we gave earlier, uh, basically rural EMS could start a case with a tap, add in the, the smaller hospital, they coordinate their care team, uh, registration is done when they roll in the door, they go straight to CT, they decide to do TPA, they can one tap, add in uh, an endovascular center, have that communication, uh, one tap, bring in the interfacility facility trans transporting team, and once they uh, arrive at the receiving hospital, continue to coordinate that entire care stream. The really cool thing is when the case is done, uh, everybody that was on that care team gets instant feedback so that they can learn how that patient did, uh, can get that closure uh, immediately instead of waiting weeks to months or maybe never receiving that feedback for the case. I got to tell you, that sounds like some type of magic. I mean, if <laughs> we could, you know, if we can have all that work, I think that it really makes our jobs, you know, we become more efficient and I think we become more effective in that patient care. And I guess through that mobile technology, as we were just saying, that all would be HIPAA compliant for that for that patient's information. Absolutely. Well, Doc, I, for one, am intrigued by your ideas and would like to subscribe to your newsletter. Uh, what you describe about Pulsera is, is a, a seamless, integrated solution that's going to take care of all my documentation, communication needs, and allow me to focus more on the clinical care of my patient and would be an answer to my prayers. Now, the question is, how much does it cost? Well, that's always the $10,000 question, right? Of course. Oh, is it $10,000? No, absolutely not. It is It is actually free. So um, the next question that people frequently ask is? What's the catch? So actually, there's, there's no catch. So uh, all pre-hospital communication in our pre-hospital communication package is free. It is free to EMS and free to the hospitals. There's no hidden agenda. Uh, so basically what we do is we can come in, into regions uh, and unite all pre-hospital care for all hospitals and EMS agencies, and we do that at no charge. What we then do is offer different subscription services to hospitals if they want to continue the communication within their four walls, within their hospital, or use it for inter-facility transfers. And most of our hospitals see that value and opt in uh, to choose to purchase that functionality. But no hidden agenda, all pre-hospital communication is free. So you have basically uh, addressed any concern that, that I would have, uh, and, and I can't see a, a, a logical reason why you would not want to use such a solution. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. 
would you welcome a free multimedia solution uh, through your smartphone to integrate your EMS communications, documentation, and coordination with the patient care team? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero and our special guest this week, Pulsera founder and CEO, Dr. James Woodson. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.